0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now... Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
1: Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Yeah, we're doing a podcast on a Sunday because we haven't had the coach Harvey Hyde on for a while. You can call him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. We're going to talk about USC kicking off fall camp they had a media day we want to talk about what the coach feels needs to be accomplished here in fall camp that just got started we'll talk about the practices doing some morning practices they've got a new hire in the athletic department so we'll get to all of that if you have any questions or comments for the show you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141 if you have the apple podcasting app Please follow the Peristyle Podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. We really appreciate that. It helps to grow the show. Tell your friends about the Peristyle Podcast. And if you're any of the, the podcasting platforms out there that you're using, Google, Spotify, whatever, you can uh, follow the show, subscribe to the show. And we appreciate uh, you doing that. If you're not a member over at uscfootball.com, not a VIP member, perfect time to do it for this weekend, uh, ending Monday night, depending on when you're listening to this. We have a 50% off sale, so 50% off an annual membership. Uh, jump on there. A whole bunch of people have been, uh, taking advantage of this. It's going to be a crazy ride this season, the most anticipated season we've had around USC in a long, long time. And of course, all the big 10 expansion on the horizon. So there's a lot of news in the PAC 12 and the big 10, and we cover all of that over at uscfootball.com. So don't miss an opportunity. If you're not a member, you can sign up 50% off. We appreciate that and join your fellow Trojans over on the Peristyle, the biggest, baddest message board on the planet. And we've been doing that since 1996, so it's crazy. But yeah, so go over there and check all that stuff out. And you got to check out the work of the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing today, sir?
2: I'm doing pretty good, buddy. Uh, I'm excited because it's another uh, football season. And I think uh, everyone has looked at this season as uh, something uh, different. I mean, uh, with all the changes that have gone on during the off season, coaching changes that have gone on not only at USC but nationally, nationally, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Big Ten and also the other conferences emerging that's going on and what's going to happen in the future, college football. But the thing that's number one you got to worry about this year, and most of the discussion has been about what's going to happen in the Big Ten when UCLA and USC goes to that. But you've got to remember you've got two years of football here starting off a program at USC under new leadership, under new coaching staff, under new situations in college football the portal the nil all these different adjustments that college football coaches and players have to go through so it's just as important now as it's going to be then as far as how you adjust to these, so you're ready for that type of move so i think we can talk a little bit about that and talk about recruiting and the things that coach is going through coach lincoln riley's uh mind Because it's not just football. I think it's a lot of things he's involved with and thinking about.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you, Coach. And uh, we're going to jump into all that. There's a couple little like kind (music) of newsy items we want to get to at the top of the show. Uh, USC did make a new hire in the athletic department. Um, So I don't think it's a direct replacement for Brandon Sosna coming in. But uh, out of the Big 12, uh, Ed Stewart, he's joining USC's uh, team reporting to Mike bone as the executive senior athletic, uh, excuse me, executive senior associate athletic director for football administration. So he's going to be working uh, with football. He's a, you know, high ranking guy over at the, uh, the big 12. So USC is bringing him in uh, adding the Mike bone staff. I think Brandon was a kind of a unique guy and they've hired, you know, they're going to make some hires uh, that, you know, people are doing pieces of his job. Um, but I wouldn't say this is a direct number, you know, one-for-one swap out for what Brandon did. Brandon and Mike had this special relationship that they had at Cincinnati. So I think now you're going to have some different people doing different things. But Ed Stewart coming over, going to be focusing on football. And also wanted to congratulate uh, Tony Baselli, who's uh, USC's 14th uh, NFL Hall of Famer. He was the first overall draft pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So their first, when they were an expansion franchise, he was the first pick overall. So the first Jaguar to go into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, obviously had a long, uh, career, successful career. So congrats to Tony Baselli uh, for that. So any, any thoughts on any of those things, coach?
2: Right. Congratulations to and the other 44 Trojans who have been inducted in, into the NFL hall of fame. I'll tell you, that's a tremendous honor. And it just showed you the tradition of, of USC and college football. When you have that many uh, players more than any other university in the NFL hall of fame, not to mention the Rose bowl hall of fame and, They have more in that Hall of Fame than any other Hall of Fame because they played in the Rose Bowl more than anybody else. But if you look around at the College Football Hall of Fame and the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame, you find a lot of Trojans. And in most cases, look at the Heisman Trophies and all the other things that are out there. USC football tradition is rich. And this is what people want, that type of tradition to come back, Ryan.
1: For sure. And they want to get back to all of that. Um, That's you know that's what the fans want, and I think uh, hiring Lincoln Riley, you're getting you're getting close to that. You're at least they're going in the right direction. Um, so fall camp, just so people know, fall camp kicked off uh, on Friday. We had a media day on Thursday. Put up a ton of interviews and stuff from that over on uscfootball.com, where we got to talk to a lot of players and assistant coaches and then on uh, friday morning they had a morning practice uh 7 a.m practice on friday that was first practice we get to watch like the first half hour or so and then we heard from lincoln riley uh afterwards they've had a couple coliseum practices saturday and sunday the day we're recording this and they'll be back in the coliseum monday night and it'll be open so we can be out there for that one so not open. We can watch the very first part of practice, but it gives us an opportunity. We're not in the pen that we were in before, Coach. We can walk around and kind of check things out. So that's kind of cool. But we don't get to watch like the meat of practice. But we still get to do uh, you know interviews afterwards on certain practices. And uh, sometimes you just hear from Lincoln Riley. Other times you hear from the offensive coaches or defensive coaches or you know players and all that. Um, but they're kicking off practice, and it's uh, we're counting down. Well, I think there's 27 days till uh, USC kicks off against Rice, but uh, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on fall camp and kind of what it means, you know, how important this one is for USC and what they need to accomplish.
2: I think it's very important. In fact, I'm very glad to hear that you're you're able to roam the sidelines. You're not in the playpen anymore. Yeah. And I, and I really hope the media relations uh, between the football team itself, the coaches, the sports information office, uh, becomes one because you're supposed to work together between all of you as far as publicizing the team and so on and giving you the opportunity to evaluate the players and coaching that's going on. I think it's very important for us to relay uh, to all of the listeners. And then uh, the first, uh, last Thursday when you had that press uh, opportunity to talk to the coaches and players, uh, I think it was about a four-hour deal in a special room. I just want to ask you, I didn't have a chance to attend that. I'm going to start attending the 20 minute uh, available practices that we can see, but I saw a shot of it. Did you have an opportunity? Did they have tables for you to sit down and write at? And was it comfortable?
1: Yeah, it was. So the way they had the media day was, uh, like kind of four big family style tables. And there were, I believe seven groups, uh, each one lasting a half an hour. And, between like three and six or seven players and coaches in each half hour group. And they would sit down, you know, sometimes one player, one coach at a table. And sometimes you'd have to have two, depending on how many players were in that group. And then the media could kind of bounce around between tables and chat with the players and coaches. So it was a really good opportunity at about half an hour with, with everyone. So, you know, if there was, if you were by yourself, you could get to each table and, and get a chance to talk to everyone for a couple of minutes um, I mostly stayed with the you know, with one person. We had enough people there that we all kind of split up and got to talk to everybody. And uh it was good. I think it was a really nice opportunity. The um it was, you know, it was comfortable. You're kinda of sitting there, they had waters available and you just sit there and, and chat with the players and coaches. So I thought I thought they did a it was something that was, it was we we haven't seen this before at USC coach because you know it's been mostly open. You can talk to players after practice, but getting opportunities, opportunity to see the players like they're coming in their jerseys, talk to the coaches for a while. Uh, I thought it was good.
2: Good. I wanted to explain that and to hear it from you, too, so our listeners know exactly that is a change. It hasn't happened before, and I'm glad that's coming about to assist us and you as far as passing on the information to all of our listeners out there to listen to our our podcast. So, Maya, now, since we got that out of the way, we'll go back and talk about the importance of this fall camp and the start of USC uh, USC's 2022 season, it's going to be really important. It's important in many ways, and I don't want to ramble. So I'll just start and then we can take it, uh, another, you know, question, but the first four practices are in the Coliseum or were, and I think that's very important because what Lincoln Riley is doing is exposing all the new players, and trying to expose them to the tradition of USC Trojan football, where it's all happened. On this turf, teams used to be afraid to come in and play on this turf. When they did come in, they just wanted to get beat without getting anybody hurt and go home. And when they walked down that tunnel, it meant something when they took the field. And I think this is something he's trying to get through to all the coaches, and the players that come from all these different programs everywhere, and there's a lot of different programs that these players come from, that this is our home. This is our battlefield. This is where we defend our tradition and defend and represent our family. It used to be once a family, always a family, and I hope it'll be that way again, which includes the alumni, the players, the students, the the whole package. And I think that was great. I don't. He didn't come out and say this, but I know in his mind he's thinking about, hey, this is where the battleground's going to be. This is where it starts. And I think that's why, in my mind, he introduced all of these people that are on the roster to where the, where the, where the battles are going to be at home and how uh, we don't lose at home. Or we don't want to lose at all. So I thought that was very important as far as me looking at that and, thinking why he did that because it requires more time to travel over there and buses and so on it's the message that you're passing on to those players you don't have to say anything but you demonstrate it through just what you're doing and you may say a few things about whose cleats have been on this field and who had de their opponents on this field and i think that's what basically that was for and i like that a lot ryan
1: oh yeah i think uh doing those practices in the coliseum makes a lot of sense and there's some new players there and you want to give them you know give them a real feel of the history and the tradition that they want to get back to so i think that's smart by lincoln riley what do you think about the early morning practices
2: well you know i've never been an early morning practice guy because that means uh, the players really. A lot of players don't go to bed early. Okay, they like to have a little social time. They watch a little Netflix. They do a little bit of their things, uh, and you get them up early. And to have a seven o'clock practice, you got to get them up at five o'clock or even earlier. But you got to have, you know, your breakfast or nutritional drink or whatever you're going to do, and you have a meeting or two to get on the field. And when you get out there, you know, it's not really football. <laughs> Feeling what I mean by that, it's it's hot and humid and and I know that it you know it's that way everywhere. It's not just USC's practice field, but it's just a time when I, I you don't play a football game at seven o'clock in the morning. Now, a lot of coaches are doing this, so and a lot of coaches are winning doing this. And then you have a lot of time during the day to have meetings and watch tapes all day and do all of the above as far as the number of hours you can have with your teammates and uh, a little conditioning and also uh, weights and uh, the, also the nutritional portion of it and everything. But uh, I've never liked early morning practices. Now, he's he's doing a lot of them, but there are different times. There's some at 9, there's some at 8.50, then they'll have an afternoon one and, then, and and then they'll have a night one and so on. So I don't really understand the reason for that. And I don't know if anybody's asked him I, that, that. I did. actually
1: did, Coach. I, I asked him at, after Friday's practice. You know, what's the you know what do you like about early morning practices? And he said, you know, we play at different game times, and so it's more of a he wanted to mix it up as far as we're going to have some practice in the morning, we'll have some in the afternoon, we'll have some in the evening. It's kind of like keeping the players on their toes, I guess. There's some coaches that have like the philosophy that you should practice in the morning. I think like Chip Kelly's one of those guys. Like he practices in the morning. Uh he talked about that at Pac 12 Media Day where he wouldn't mind early kickoffs because they practice in the morning already. So when they join the Big Ten, if they're gonna have a, you know, a nine a.m. kickoff, he's like, We practice in the morning, so we're ready for stuff like that. But for Lincoln Riley, it didn't seem like it was a morning philosophy. It was more of a kind of mix it up philosophy, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. It it makes sense. Uh I don't know, you sort of keep them on their toes and you're trying to Make them aware of when things are happening and be on time, no matter when it is. It's uh, being prompt and following the uh, what you've been told to do. And maybe it's like classes; you got to be at classes at a certain times. So you might have to be at practice, might as well be at practice at this right time. As far as uh, I've talked about this many times on this and other shows, that when you get up and you practice at seven o'clock every single day, your body gets used to a certain routine, and mine is. I don't know if yours is. It's used to having a cup of coffee in the morning or taking a jog at a certain time and going to bed at a certain time. And uh, when you practice at 7 in the morning, you're exerting yourself, and are you ready to exert yourself at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or if you have a night game at 7 o'clock at night or whatever. So I've always believed to try to have my practices in a period of between where I sort of reach them all. If it's an early game, a 1 o'clock game, or 12 o'clock game, and it's 3 o'clock game or 5 o'clock game. I want my practices in between that time where my body gets used to a routine and is ready to perform. And I've had studies done, and I've heard people tell me that that's true. That's the way your body reacts. Your body is is trained to do things at certain times. So uh, they obviously have the techniques that they know what they want to do, and it's something I didn't do. I'm not saying it's not good, but I'm saying it, it's different than what I would do. I'd like to have my team have a little time to have social time in the afternoon or in the evening and do some things with some friends. Because I think it can't be football all the time, but you get burned out from football all the time. You've got to have some time to be able to relax a little bit and be like regular students.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's. I want to also talk to you about this... Um, you know, what they're trying to accomplish in fall camp, Lincoln Riley talked about this being the most, you know, unique roster in college football history, changing the entire face of the program around as quickly as they're trying to do to go from like four and eight to winning the conference potentially. And that's what their goal is. That's what they've been talking about. What, what, how do you feel like this is working? And if if this is really what he's trying to do, really just change the whole face of the program.
2: Well, I think it's something he has to do, and I'd probably start it off with every day showing him a highlight film of one of the great teams uh, as far as, you know, the, the seven at Pete Gerald's game, uh, John Robinson game, uh, some of the great teams that played at USC to let him say, hey, this is what USC football is all about. This is where you deplete people. This is where this is what I want here. This is what you want there. here, or you shouldn't be here. I would get a motivation, motivated into what we're practicing for, what we're trying to be and establish again. And then again, you've got to have everybody buying in because you've got so many people from different programs and guys that have been all conference in your own uh, 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 conference in, in your team, and from the Big 12 and these, and from Alabama, a player that's been at Alabama and Oklahoma, and coaches from different areas that. You gotta, you know, you gotta have, as Ed Orgeron said, one heartbeat. And to get all of these people on the same page, you've got to really spend some time of showing where they are and what they're expected to do. And it's an evaluation period for the coaches on all these players because they've all come in for a reason. They've all come in to be a part of this program, whether it's playing with Caleb Williams or being coached by Lincoln Riley. But they've left a school or program that's pretty good in a lot of cases to come to USC. So obviously they see it and they've done it for a reason. So you've got to be able to remember when the coaches are evaluating these players. Don't think the players aren't evaluating their players, the ones that they compete against, because they know who are the guys that they have to compete against. And then they also know that if, you know, I don't get, if I don't have a good day with the competition that's out here, it could be a bad bad feeling for me and what I've continued to do during camp and what might happen to me in the future. So I think it'll step up at, uh, the momentum and the intensity of the practices because everybody is competing. And also a lot of coaches are going to be coaching players they've never coached before. So, those players are going to be evaluating the coaches. The coaches evaluating the players. There's going to be a lot of evaluation going out there because these guys all came to play, and all of them are not going to play. And I think one indication was who he took to media day when he took Lee, the linebacker from Alabama. Because, why? Look what he comes from. comes from a, a program that won a national championship when he was there, runner up when he was there started 29 games at Alabama. He knows what it is to win. And they're going to look to him, and he's going to look to them and say, hey, you're not playing at the level we're supposed to be playing at over here. So obviously he selected him as a defensive leader, leader and Cal- Caleb Williams is the offensive leader. And that those units on the field are going to be motivated by these two guys. So I think it's really important that the evaluation period is going to be an all-out go type of thing. And then at the end of the period, the players will know who's the best. The players will know how good uh, Williams is or or Coy Foreman is and, and who should be playing in the lineups at the right positions at the right time. So I tell you, this fall camp is a whole new situation, but now it's game day. Every day is game day. Not a practice day, a game day, because you're competing for your job.
1: I love that. Every day is game day. Um, and they are competing for a job. Because um, it's, I mean, that's that's what you kind of have to do. When you're losing 54 players off the roster from last year, you got guys that have held over, um, and you got a whole bunch of new guys coming in. It's a clean slate for everyone. And you got to compete. So I I think that makes sense, Coach. To compete. Um, yeah. go ahead. What was that?
2: No, I was going to say, you got to compete and you got to remember that every practice, uh, is an important practice to you. And you got to remember every rep is an important rep to you. You can't have mental mistakes because immediately you're being evaluated on your mental mistakes. You're being evaluated on if you're moody, if you're a leader, if you're a loser, do you mope? Are you a locker room lawyer? All of these different things you're evaluated by. And you're being evaluated not only by your coaches, but by equipment people. What's happening in the locker room? What's happening in study hall? What's happening everywhere? There's a lot of eyes when you look at this staff and how many people that these coaches and players come in touch with.
1: Yeah. Uh, One other thing I want to touch on, Coach, is uh, I was out there Friday morning. And when you look around and we're watching the defensive side, we got to see them a little bit more. And you looked at the, you know, cornerback group like Dante Williams, running drills with those guys. The line was pretty long. We know there were some, you know, they, they weren't super deep at that spot. Uh, but you get some players back. The line for the drills were pretty long. You look over at what Alex Grinch was doing with the safeties, and that line was long. You know, they were going through drills, catching passes, you know, defending whatever, and there was like a whole bunch of players there. And you look at the defensive linemen. And it looked like a big group. There was multiple lines of of defensive linemen coming through. You look at the the rush ends over there with uh, the the Mellow Heights and Corey Foreman's. With, uh, you know, uh, you know, just seeing those guys go through drills. There was a bunch of guys over there. Uh, you know, Brian Odom working with the linebackers, and there was a whole bunch of guys. There was a there was a lot. it was a big group. Overall, just looking on the field, Coach, I just felt like the depth even from spring, was significantly improved. You got guys that were maybe out for the spring that were back. Um, it just, me to me, Coach, looked like a much deeper team. And uh, I know that's going to be important, you know, kind of going forward. But I, any thoughts on you know what the depth is is starting to look like?
2: Well, I think it's great. You've got a lot of great players out there. As you mentioned, the defensive backs here. You've got a lot of the young ones, but you've got a lot that are experienced. Some that played last year's transfers that have come in so they have experience i mean you've got competition there you've got competition when you look at the linebackers as you mentioned you got a kid uh outside kid from auburn you got an inside kid from alabama you got a linebacker from utah who went to the rose bowl last year and you know what type of attitude they have at utah on their defensive side of the football so you've got some uh, transfers in here that like to play football and be rougher playing football so you know your drills pick up the tempo and intensity and you follow the rules a little bit more because you can't do what you want to do all the time because if you don't do it our way, i got someone else to replace you. That's what depth brings you. It brings you that, hey, you know, oh, we better, we, be, we really can't get him upset or, or practice him because we might not have him. Hey, you're going to practice or we're going to play somebody else. And I think that's what depth brings you. It's a great feeling to have depth because you're running the football program now. The kids aren't running the football program now. So I think it's important on the receiver side. Look at the receivers you have. Look at the running backs. You've got some good running backs. You don't even hear his name, Harley, when you talk about the other running backs. And This kid, Brown, from modern day, you don't think he's getting his bell rung and is starting to think, what is this all about? It's a little bit different than modern day. You've got some great players around there. Now, the key is, as Keith Jackson called it, the big uglies, Okay. That's where it's going to have to really pick up the tempo, and these players are going to have to play at their utmost every single day. Now, how do they do that? By putting the best against the best, ones against ones. Uh, Corey Johnson gets Haskins. Corey uh, Foreman over and over and over and find out who's the best, who can play. These are supposed to be good players, the number one recruit in the country and a guy that transferred from Virginia that you're depending on him being your left tackle, left tackle, let's see who gets it done. Let's see who has, let's see who quits. Let's see who goes full speed. Move these guys around and let the good guys go against the good guys because you can't get better on Saturday. You only do that once a week. You get 60 reps or 70 reps or whatever. But during the week, you get a lot of reps. And I used to say, the more depth you have, the better you get. Because you can go more often live and get better and practice against good players. And then it'll th- occasionally give a, a kid a chance that's a freshman or a third stringer going against one and two and see if he raises to the level of where he can play against these players. So I think it's very important. You've got defensive linemen that come, uh, junior college offensive linemen, lovelies. You've got the defensive linemen that have come in from from uh, Kansas uh Kansas State and these other TCU and these other places. Hey, you got to find out how good they are. You got to put them up against your best, best against best right off the bat and find out are we a better football team than we were with the big uglies than we've been in the past?
1: Yeah, best on best. Uh, That's what they're going to have to do. And I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, this fall. And having uh, increased depth, I think, is going to help that a lot. Uh, Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions back in a minute.
0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and
1: coverage match limited by state law. All right. We're back here on the Peristyle podcast with coach Harvey Hyde. We have some email questions to get to coach. I think this one was from back, uh, PAC 12 media day, uh, Frank in Sacramento said, George Klayakov looks like he's aged 10 years in a month. (laughs) Um, Yeah, obviously the news of USC leaving and UCLA leaving uh, kind of impacted him. But, um, yeah, any thoughts from what he had to say at Pac-12 Media Day, Coach? uh, George Klayakoff, of course, the Pac-12 commissioner now.
2: Well, it shocked him. It shocked him. He's only been on a job for about a year now, and he's had all this happen more than ever. And you look back, and I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him to come into this type of situation that's been brewing and happening and now it's a forest fire. It's been a little fire, and everybody knows it, and has been unhappy with the amount of revenue that's been coming in, the amount of exposure, the amount of television time, kickoff times, the Pac-12 network, and a lot of uh, reasons. You've heard me criticize right on this show and other shows, the leadership of Larry Scott, but then again, I look at the college presidents, and I say, what are they doing? They're extending his contract, and they almost extended it again. I said... Uh, man, I'll tell you, I don't, it's hard for me to feel sorry for him because uh, you've had a guy here that hasn't done it, never got on national television with his Pac-12 network. They've allowed him to spend a lot of money, spend a lot of money at the Pac-12 uh, games. As far as basketball, tournament, I read some of the figures that he's used on his personal use. I say, my goodness, this is ridiculous. So I think it, uh, I feel sorry for George Kay. Uh, But again, uh, I don't feel sorry for the Pac-12 because they allow it to happen. I'm happy for uh, USC, but again, I'm unhappy because of the tradition and all of the great games and people that have played for so many years, Stanford, Cal, Washington, Oregon, these great matchups that have been happening over the years. A lot of them may disappear in two years, but they got two years here still to play. I'm disappointed about that. But I'm also happy because when USC was down and when they got the penalties for the sanctions and so on, no one from the Pac 12 assisted them. True. Nobody stuck up for them. Nobody did a damn thing for them. They all took advantage of that and they thought it was a great idea. You never saw Larry Scott call the NCAA. They took the Heisman Trophy away. They did that. they did that. They sanctioned everybody. Nobody came to their results. And USC. USC, USC, Ryan, is the face of the Pac-12, and they're finding that out now. Yeah, But they didn't care before because they're not smart enough to understand that. So now USC, by going to the Big Ten, I think it's good for them. I think it's good for the uh, the exposure they deserve, the money they're going to inherit. And believe me, everybody's talking about look at the travel that's going to be here. They're going to figure that out. they got two years to figure it out. Maybe they'll go to Rutgers once every five years and Rutgers will come here once every five years and Michigan will come here one every four years and they'll go to Ohio State one every four years. They're going to they're figure all that out so that it doesn't bear down on these kids and hurt these kids. It's all going to be set up just like the AFC and the NFC, like we talked about before. There'll be playoffs that they wanted playoffs and the revenues and so on that's going on, but they've got two years to figure this all out. So I don't feel sorry for a lot of these universities are really turned their back on USC. And if you're a Trojan out there, you know exactly what I, what I'm saying. They've been paying the bills. The Trojans have been paying the bills for the PAC 12 over the last several years. And uh, now it's time for them to worry about themselves.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Mike in the Bay area says, uh, how upset are UCLA fans going to be? If Gavin Newsom, the California governor finds a way to block the Bruins move to the big 10. He says, also, Phil Knight has publicly stated he wants Oregon in the Big Ten, but I'm not seeing how throwing his money at the problem will get them into a better conference. Interested to hear your thoughts. Fight on, Mike, in the Bay Area.
2: Well, first of all, there could be some change with UCLA. You really don't know, but it's amazing, as Governor Newsom, he's the one that passed a lot of these things that made it the changes going on as far as the NIL and all these different things. and. Money and UCLA's in such a deficit that they had no choice but to go, and uh, they were lucky to get the invitation. Except it's so popular in Southern California, the media relations and the money they're going to get from the two universities, they 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 were lucky that they were taken. Now, if Cal would have been in Southern California, it'd have been Cal, not UCLA. So uh, UCLA is going to try to take advantage of this, and of course the the politicians are now going to step in. End up uh, do their thing as far as it's not right and this and that and so on, and they'll probably uh, uh, bail out Cal by giving them the amount of money because uh, they're not getting the same money UCLA is or whatever. Yeah, but you know politicians ought to stay out of this uh, and and let the, let it happen, let it work itself out. But no, they get involved in everything and it makes it twice as complicated. So myself is a. Uh, I think UCLA will go to the big Ten. Cal we, Cal will somehow be subsidized in some way to make it somewhat equal. But again, uh, you know you got to look, you got to say, Governor, uh, how many people follow Cal football? How many people care about Cal football, Stanford football? I mean, what do they bring their area of uh, where they're populated? I mean, if you're a businessman and you should be being the governor of the state of California. What school would you rather have in the Big Ten? Would you rather have Cal or UCLA from Southern California? So, you know, he's got to somewhat understand that, but yet they'll subsidize Cal in some way. Believe me, Cal we will not be left in the cold.
1: Yeah, there, I, I feel you're right. There's going to be some kind of subsidies or something for Cal. Um, but as far as Oregon goes, yeah, I I don't think USC – you know, if they had their way, I don't know if they have veto power or anything. They're just the new to the conference, but I don't think USC would want Oregon to come, um, to be honest. But uh, if as far as like the academics and stuff go, it doesn't look like um, Oregon's as good of a fit. I, I saw some different charts that show like, you know, basically USC and UCLA. And if like Stanford came, you know, they would be like the three most prestigious academic schools in the Big Ten. Uh, but there's other schools that are right up there in the Big Ten. And so you look at the different rankings. There's different ways, you know, what are the endowments are and things like that. Um, they're all up there. Oregon would have been way, you know, I think Nebraska would have been like ranked sort of last. And then Oregon would have been second to last. So they wouldn't be the worst team in the conference, but it just doesn't kind of fit. They'd be well below the the mean, I guess, if you would you say of the average, you know, as far as like academic standing and research dollars and all that kind of stuff, uh, endowments, things like that, th- the stuff that you were ranking. So I don't know my right now. I, I still feel like it's going to be try to get Notre Dame, but my gut is that they're going to go into 2024 with 16 teams, uh, unless Notre Dame comes on board, you know, and you know, a, a likely partner would be someone like Stanford, I think. Uh, but as far as the Oregon stuff goes, yeah, I, I'm not seeing it. Um, but, Realignment stuff is crazy and, and anything can kind of happen. And maybe we go to 20, 24 teams in these conferences faster than I think. But I feel like the Big Ten is going to be happy where they are. The, the The media deal should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. And it's probably going to be crazy good, even better than what we have been hearing before. So they'll probably be pretty happy to be where they are with 16 and then maybe sort of wait for the SEC to make their their next move.
2: Well, you're right. Uh, the key with the Big Ten is what Notre Dame is going to do, and Notre Dame is a fit in the Big Ten. If they're going to go to a conference, it's the Big Ten. It's not the ACC. Uh, so I think that'll happen. If Notre Dame doesn't go to the Big Ten or tries to stay independent or whatever, I think the Big Ten will probably go try to go uh, maybe Florida, Florida State, or the South Eastern Conference will try to bring Florida State in, so they have those two. And and I, t- I tell you, Oregon uh, – I don't mean to say this in a bad way, but I think a lot of the schools don't think or think that Nike is going to buy it by the, by the way in. It's a, it's a deal that if we bring you in, you've got to bring us worth a hundred million a year or whatever that value is. Are you going to bring that? Is that television audience? Is that going to be your name? And, oregon is that going to bring us what we're going to share with you and i think it's really all business it's all business this is oh yes they got a great program and uh washington's got a great program but business-wise is it the right thing how many prescriptions or subscriptions are we going to sell when we make this package and you're going to have to buy it and down the road ryan you're going to have to buy this package It's not going to be free when they come up with all this money. You're going to have to buy the college football package like you do the NFL. You have to buy it on a special channel or app or something. Uh, They're going to get all this money back. So how many uh, subscriptions do they get out of Oregon and Washington? I mean, at $10 a month or whatever the fee is going to be. So it's a a package where Phil Knight – can't uh unless he's going to give him the hundred million dollars himself a year that's not going to be a factor it's going to be a factor in what you bring to us if you bring us that kind of return then you have a chance to get in the big 10 if you don't bring us that type of return you might be in the big 12 or you might be in something else but uh i think it's all business ryan it, it, it isn't like phil knight is is going to buy his or because it's phil knight of oregon no it's What's best for us financially, and that's what it's all being done with?
1: Yeah, and then you know the fact that USC and UCLA are full share members from you know day one shows you something that they added significantly to the they're bringing more than their fair share to the Big Ten media deal, where Oregon and Washington, if they came in, they would have been subsidized by the rest of the school. So you'd have to tell Purdue, hey, is it worth you getting 10 million dollars less a year that Oregon and or Washington are in the in the conference?" And, you know, that's a tough sell, I think. So do you really need them? No. Um, but, you know, you might you might come in, those schools might come in later down the road and have a similar deal like when Nebraska did, where it was, I think it took six years for them to get a full share membership. It might, something like that might be the case. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we got a couple more. John in Columbus, Georgia says, uh, when we had a few more details about Lincoln Riley's comp- uh, compensation package, I was pleased to see it. Uh, be careful john that hasn't been public there's people that have been reported things but i don't think those are true um but anyway just just to go on he says but it came more concerned with the economics of it all when the athletic department continued to make more investments in the staff support etc uh given especially given the horrible revenue arrangement we had with the pac 12 how possible or likely is it that the big 10 move was on Mike Bone's radar long before he made the move to hire Lincoln Riley, because in my opinion, the move looks 100% risk-free at this point. In time, I wouldn't be nearly as confident if we stayed in the pack. Uh, fine on from John. I'll, I'll give you a quick thought. Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that Mike Bone has been thinking about for quite a while. I think he knew there was options to increase USC's revenue, and it makes the, you know, hiring a a coach like Lincoln Riley less risky. But the most less the the least risk you have is by hiring a coach like Lincoln Riley is. He's going to be worth his contract and more because you will win, you will sell tickets, you will get on, you know, you'll be talked about nationally. So even if you're in the pack, the pack twelve, it's worth it to hire. You know, it's it's worth it to spend money on a quality head coach. They're good. You know, uh, Nick Saban is worth a lot more than whatever he's making at Alabama, a lot more. And I think Lincoln Riley will be worth a lot more. Than the $10 million or whatever he's making at USC. But any, any thoughts, Coach?
2: Well, yeah, I think you have to have something to market to get uh, the people to buy and get excited about college football. And they weren't getting excited about Clay Eldon or any of the other coaches. You got to have a name uh, to market in Southern California and the Trojans family and national television. And I think he had to bring in somebody like that. I think they've talked about this for a couple of years when they started talking about the playoffs and how they could go about the playoffs. And they penciled out a few things, a few guys, and knew what they had to do. Now, did Lincoln Riley know that was going to happen? I can't say that uh, because uh, Oklahoma was going to the what, Southeastern Conference, and but he knew that USC was a sleeping giant. He knew that uh, the the program could only go one way, and that's up. And he knew Oklahoma was as good as they can go, and now they're going to be going to a conference where they're not going to be able to play some people they can beat automatically. So it was an automatic move to go to USC. When they're 4-8, and that's the time you go into a university. You don't want to go into a university and follow Pete Carroll or John McKay. I mean, the only way you can go is down. You want to go to a sleeping giant, as I call it. The sleeping giants are the best jobs to get. Oh, yeah. And Lincoln Riley knew this was a slain, sleeping giant, and as most people say, don't wake him up. Don't wake this guy up, please, because we can't compete with him, and the Pac-12 wouldn't be able to compete with with Lincoln Riley at USC. They really wouldn't, as he gets his pop uh, program, uh, you know, going, rolling. So. You know, uh, this is what they've done. They wanted to wake up a, a sleeping giant. They've done that with the media in Southern California and nationally, all the articles that are going on, the recruits that are coming here, and one thing and another, and they're going to have a great recruiting year this year, I assume. So, you know, this is what they've done, and uh, and uh, I think it's a, a good deal, but they got two years to get ready for it. That's what's great about it. you got two years when you're recruiting now is to tell people, hey, in two years when you're a junior or sophomore or whatever, we're going to be playing Big Ten people. You're going to be playing big-time football. And uh, this is going to be exciting to a lot of kids, not only in Southern California, but you can recruit nationally now. Would you rather go to Columbus, Missouri? I don't know where some of these schools are all located. (laughs) Or would you rather go to Southern California and then fly back home where people can watch you play? But, you know, a lot of these places, when I recruited, I used to tell my kids when I recruited them, I said, what did you do wrong? And he would say, what do you mean, what did I do wrong? I said, why would you go live there? Are you going to live there after you graduate from college? No. Well, why are you going to go there in the first place? It's like going to prison. it's a penalty. <laughs> you got, you got an opportunity to go to where we got it all happening. And he'd look at that and say, you're right. Why would I go there when you have a chance to go somewhere else? And I'm sure this is what everybody's going to see. There's certain places in the country that you go when you have big time football in a great location at the same time. Why wouldn't you go there? Yeah. And this is what USC can bring.
1: We got one more coach. John B. in Florida says, Hey, Ryan, thanks for the great USC coverage during the offseason. USC fans are all excited about the new coaching staff, team makeover, and new culture over the past several years. In the old culture, I've noticed the following game trends that usually uh, lead to an ugly win or loss. I think we talked about – I think I talked about this with Chris in the podcast, but I wanted to get your thoughts, Coach, too. He says, you know, there's a moment where, you know, he's – there's trends that he hopes becomes ghosts of the past where like if there's a 14, nothing lead uh, maybe you go conservative and go three and out by the offense and consecutive drives uh, not scoring in the third quarter at all. What are some of the trends that you hope to become ghosts of the past uh, and, you know, get erased in this new culture?
2: Well, you know, my my way is uh, we're going to beat you, and we're going to beat you as bad as we can beat you. And uh, I'm not saying I'm running it up on you, but I want to have a, a culture where my ex is bigger than your O, okay? Where if I bring my kids ready to play, my ex is going to beat your O, no matter what you say. Because my players are bigger than yours, faster than yours, and tougher than yours. And if I don't screw them up as a coaching staff, we just should win. And I would tell my team that. Don't screw up to my party. I've already planned it after the game, okay? And you've got to have that type of uh, attitude and confidence in yourself that you've got to make yourself play that type of great game where people just surrender. They don't want to play. They surrender. And when you people say, well, you ran it up on that team. No, I didn't run it up on that team. I'm not going to put my second team in and tell them they can't throw the football. That's a penalty. Make your team better. Don't criticize me because I'm playing my players that have worked out the entire year and have an opportunity to play just because you guys aren't good enough. Hey, I want you to know, when my kids play, whether they're the third teamer and if they have a chance to get in the game, I'm going to give them an opportunity to run the football or pass the football or catch the football and do the different things that are necessary. Why should I penalize my reserves or my team because you can't play with us? And I think if you bring that attitude to your team, it unites your team. They all know, hey, if we get ahead, good, I'm going to get in the game. And I think this is a thing that you've got to do as far as bringing your program together and getting ready to play.
1: All right, Coach. Love it. Great stuff. It's been a few weeks since we've heard from you, but fall camp is here. We are less than a month away, 27 days, I believe, when we're recording this, to the start of the USC Trojan football season. I can't remember one that's been as highly anticipated as this one. Um, Fans are excited again. People are just fired up for USC football and uh, for good reason. So really happy to hear from you again. We'll uh, look forward to seeing you out there at practice, kind of getting your thoughts uh, in the weeks coming forward, but thanks again uh, for coming on.
2: Well, thank you very much. I wish I could be out there longer than 20 minutes. If I happen to get stuck in traffic, I'll miss practice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that <laughs> that's a problem with only 20 minutes but I got to respect what he's doing and he's doing it for a reason and so on and uh, Ryan I want to thank you and I also want to remind everybody that starting September the 4th on AM 830 I start my college football review and preview show every Sunday morning so if you'd like to hear immediately following the game my thoughts just not on USC but college football and what's going on in the country please join us okay
1: Sounds good, coach. Check him out there. You can go to his website, harveyhyde.com. For the coach, this is Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the Peristyle podcast. Don't forget, our 50% off sale is still going on over at uscfootball.com for the next day or two, so go check that out. If you're not a member, you definitely should be. you want to listen to this podcast all the way to the end, go over there and be a member. Half off is a great deal. You'll get an amazing amount of coverage throughout the year and the season, and you definitely won't regret it. Uh, But we're going to sign off here. Hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time.
0: You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.